Hello and welcome to the Minimum Competence episode for Wednesday, February 28th, 2024. I'm your host for today, Andrew Leahy, a tax and technology attorney from New Jersey. On today's episode, we have Sam Bankman-Fried's plea for a lenient sentence, Hunter Biden's closed-door testimony, California bars fee hike to avoid insolvency, and Column Tuesday on a Wednesday about using tax to offset the impact of tourism. Let's remember, folks are usually about as happy as they make their minds to be and read today's legal news. On February 28, 1933, a pivotal moment in German legal history unfolded with the issuance of the Presidential Decree for the Protection of People and State by President Paul von Hindenburg. This decree emerged in the immediate aftermath of the Reichstag fire, a calamitous event where the German parliament building was engulfed in flames. Dubbed the Reichstag Fire Decree, this legislation marked a significant departure from established legal norms by suspending several fundamental civil liberties, including freedoms related to the press, the right to habeas corpus, and the protocols surrounding the issuance of search warrants. The Nazi Party, leveraging the chaos and fear generated by the fire, attributed the act of arson to communist agitators, a move that facilitated the rapid enactment of the decree. This legislative action, pushed forward by the then-Chancellor Adolf Hitler, was not merely a response to a singular event, but a calculated strategy towards consolidating absolute power. The Reichstag Fire Decree, therefore, stands as a stark reminder of how quickly legal frameworks can be altered in times of perceived crisis, leading to profound and lasting impacts on the structure of a nation's governance. It underscored the fragility of civil liberties under authoritarian pressures and served as a critical step in the Nazi Party's quest to dismantle the democratic fabric of Germany— setting the stage for the oppressive and murderous regime that would follow. Sam Bankman-Fried, the co-founder of FTX, has been proposed by his legal team to serve no more than six and a half years in prison for his role in the cryptocurrency exchange's collapse, significantly less than the potential 20-year sentence for the most severe charges. His attorneys, in a detailed memo to U.S. District Judge Louis A. Kaplan, emphasized Bankman-Fried's charitable contributions and argued for a sentence that would quickly reintegrate him into society, suggesting a range of 63 to 78 months as just. They also argued against ordering Bankman-Fried to pay restitution or forfeit assets, noting that identified accounts weren't for his personal benefit and that the FTX's bankruptcy process would compensate customers and creditors. Convicted of charges including wire fraud and conspiracy, the case against Bankman-Fried could set a precedent for other cryptocurrency executives. His legal team criticized the U.S. probation official's recommendation of a 100-year sentence as excessive. The defense has included letters of support and mentioned Bankman-Fried's mental health challenges, including undiagnosed autism and struggles with ADHD, to argue against a harsh sentence that could endanger him in prison due to his difficulty with social cues. Despite the contentious relationship with Judge Kaplan and significant setbacks, Bankman-Fried's ultimate sentence, guided by federal sentencing guidelines, remains to be determined with Kaplan's past caution on guideline adherence potentially influencing the outcome. Hunter Biden, the son of U.S. President Joe Biden, is set to testify in a closed-door session as part of the House Republicans' impeachment inquiry into his father. This development follows months of requests from House Republicans for his testimony, which Hunter initially resisted. The inquiry focuses on allegations surrounding the Biden family's business dealings, particularly Hunter's involvement with Chinese firm CEFC and Ukrainian energy company Burisma during Joe Biden's vice presidency under the Obama administration. Despite accusations from House Republicans that the Biden family profited improperly from policy decisions, no concrete evidence has been presented to support these claims, with both Hunter Biden and the White House denying any wrongdoing. The inquiry proceeds despite the charging of a former FBI informant central to the Republicans' case with lying to the FBI and having connections with Russian intelligence. Amidst these events, Donald Trump, eyeing a presidential run against Biden, has encouraged the impeachment. The credibility of the impeachment inquiry has been questioned, especially after revelations about the informant's credibility and interactions with Russian intelligence. Hunter Biden also faces separate legal challenges, including charges related to tax fraud and illegal firearm possession, to which he has pleaded not guilty. 
This testimony occurs amidst broader political dynamics, including public calls by some Republicans for broader impeachment actions against Biden and other officials and ongoing legal and political controversies surrounding the Biden family. The State Bar of California has adopted a budget for 2024 that prevents insolvency for the year, but has highlighted the need for a significant increase in attorney licensing fees in 2025 to counter a growing budget shortfall. California lawyers are facing a proposed additional fee of $114 on top of the existing $404 annual fee to cover an expected $24 million deficit in the State Bar's core operations. This increase is also intended to fund improvements in technology, add personnel for investigating complaints about attorneys, and enhance oversight of client trust accounts, among other needs. Despite the urgency, state lawmakers last year did not approve a requested fee increase, leaving the organization in a precarious financial situation. The state bar's financial challenges include a need for almost $17 million to update its IT systems and additional funds for increasing staff to manage attorney complaints effectively. The organization managed to stay afloat in 2024 by using proceeds from the sale of its San Francisco building, but faces insolvency by 2025 without the proposed fee hike. The situation underscores the need for a financial reset, as emphasized by the board chair, to ensure the state bar can continue to fulfill its regulatory and oversight functions effectively. In my column this week, I explore the critical role of tourism tax in mitigating the regional effects of climate change, highlighting how such taxes, like those proposed in Hawaii, Italy, and Bali, aim to balance the economic benefits of tourism with environmental sustainability and social equity. I discuss the disproportionate impact of climate change on the global poor and argue that a well-designed tourist tax could serve as a model for protecting vulnerable populations and the environment. By expanding the scope of tax policy to include socioeconomic considerations, such as providing universal basic income or housing subsidies for residents of tourist destinations, we can address the intertwined challenges of climate change, poverty, and inequality. The implementation of these policies requires transparent and efficient allocation of tourism tax revenue with a focus on supporting the most vulnerable communities and ensuring that tourism dollars contribute to genuine social improvements rather than exacerbating wealth disparities. I advocate for an adaptive policy framework that allows for ongoing evaluation and reallocation of resources, emphasizing the importance of cross-jurisdictional cooperation and a global approach to tourism taxation that prioritizes inclusivity and community-focused decision-making. This approach not only aims to reduce the negative impacts of tourism on the environment, but also leverages tax policy as a tool for promoting social equity and resilience in the face of climate change. And with that, I thank you so much for listening to Minimum Competence, your daily news podcast for lawyers. If you're looking for more than Minimum Competence, links to further reading on all the topics touched on today are in the show notes. Reviews go a long way towards helping new listeners to find our show. If you have a moment and can leave a rating or review on your podcast player, we'd sure appreciate it. And if you know someone that might be interested in a story we cover, consider sending them the episode. But remember, nothing here should be construed as legal advice because it is certainly not that. Minimum Competence is available at minimumcomp.com and wherever you get your finely crafted podcasts. If you haven't checked out the website in a while, give it a look. There are complete transcripts and resources for each episode and its corresponding segments, as well as an opportunity to receive new episodes in email, newsletter, form. We'll see you back here tomorrow. And until then, remember, whatever you are, be a good one.